and uh, okay, y'all got y'all y'all know that the pastor got a watch for Christmas. What that meant? Okay, all right. So this morning, I want I want to start some things off with the new year because there's a lot of things that that are passion for me. Uh, I preached a whole year. A year ago. This Sunday, I preached my third message here. After that message, Terry and Jason pulled me aside and said, Hey, can you be our interim pastor for a little while? And now you know what happened for that whole year. So this year, we get to start off. I get to be your pastor for a full year. We're starting from the beginning, and we're going to work through some things this year. I'm going to preach some message on you. But the thing is, we're going to open up God's Word. Every single day that we come together, we're going to open up the Word, and we're going to look at it because the Bible is, is full of stories. But the Bible is also an application book. You can't just read the Word of God and not apply it to your life. And that's what I want us to make sure that we do. Now, there's a little <clears throat> inside of your um, bulletin, there's a little piece of paper every Sunday for you to write a couple notes down. You may not be a note taker, but occasionally I'm going to give you some things that you might want to jot down, some things that you might want to be able to go back and look at. So certainly keep that paper handy and write a few things down. I tell you every week when I send out the email what scripture I'm going to be preaching on and what passage it's going to come from. Those are important. I'm going to give you some truths out of that every Sunday morning, every Sunday evening, and the Wednesdays that I teach. We're going to have some truths that come out of that. But there's going to be some things that you want to write down and some jot down. This evening or this morning, I'll tell you a couple things. You write a few things down. And then toward the end of the message, there's going to be three points that I'm going to finish with that you want to make sure you understand. All right? So understanding the Word of God is important. Now, this passage of Scripture that I'm going to preach is not a, a new passage. It's not something you've not heard before. And actually, it's not something I've not preached before. But you can preach it different each time you preach it because there's different truths in the passage of Scripture. And I'm going to share with you this morning a passage that is very important about what we listen to in God's Word and how we respond to it. So the title of the message this morning is Understanding the Great Commission. You know the Great Commission. You know about the Great Commission. You know it's a, a commandment. It's not a suggestion. But you want to understand that passage of Scripture. I'm going to open it up this morning because I want you to truly understand it. I'm going to take you into some Greek to make sure you understand where it comes from, how it relates to the English language. We're going to look at some things that are important about understanding the Great Commission and what God has actually charged us to do through His Son, Jesus Christ, and what He has empowered us to do through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Let's look at it this morning. We're going to get into it in a minute. But as we begin 2023, I want us to make a priority for the church to focus on the mission that God has placed us here to do. The mission that he has placed us here to do. People were not placed here simply for personal achievement. We weren't put here for, to be successful in anything other than what God has placed us here to do. That's what he wants us to be successful in. Now, we can be successful in other things, and God does not restrict that. Now, it's easy for people to prioritize personal satisfaction, self-gain, self-achievement, and that's simply because human nature wants to take over with the way we live. It wants to make sure that you're successful. We want to go into education. We want to learn as much as we can, and we want to be successful in business, and we want to be successful in life, and there's nothing 
nothing wrong with that. God does not restrict that. He wants us to be successful. We have a desire to be happy. We have a desire to be successful. We also have an inner desire to seek God. And that's what I was sharing with you this morning. When, you, when, when Miss Jerry brought that out about Damar Hamlin. Was that his name? About what happened. People hit their knees in praying to God. People on on national television, was praying to God for him to intervene in this situation. People all over were asking for prayer, for God to intervene in this situation. They didn't look to other issues. Not once did I hear someone say, bow before Allah. Bow before anything other than the Almighty God. Amen? That's what I heard, and that's what I saw this past week. God does not restrict this, uh, restrict us from having success. He does not withhold success in our life because God is what? The source of our success. He's what encourages it. He what brings us forward. He is the source of our success. But God's word is very specific about what he wants us to be successful at. And as a church, We need to know and understand what he wants us to be successful at, and we need to live it out. This morning, we're going to open up God's Word and look into some specific instructions that Jesus Christ himself gives to his followers. These instructions are the marching orders for the church. They're our pattern. They're what we're supposed to look at. They're how we're supposed to get going. When we want to know what the church is supposed to do, we're going to look at this particular passage and see what it says. Now, let me tell you something. If there are a phrase that says, we're going to have church today, we are the church. But isn't there a phrase that says that? Well, let me tell you, we're having church today, amen? It started with a video of the youth. It started with song service. It started with us lifting our voices up. But we're going to have church today. Understanding these instructions, these marching orders that God has given us through his son, Jesus Christ, is so important. It's imperative for the success of the church. And Terry mentioned that. There's young people coming along behind us. We're training people. Let me tell you something. If we don't train the young people, church would would essentially be non-existent in several generations. That's the way it's moving away. Church is not important the way it used to be. Church used to be an automatic. And Sunday morning, it wasn't debatable. Well, I don't feel so good this morning to go to church. You went to church, amen? You went to church. Melanie's shaking her head. Was she made to go to church? That's just something we did. Man, when, I, when we got up, we went to church. That's what we did on Sunday mornings, Sunday evenings, Wednesday. We had church at home. Church was an everyday occurrence. Understanding it is important. If you are able, would you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word? Matthew 28, starting in verse 16, going through verse 20. It says this, The eleven traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the ends of the age. Pray with me, please. Father God, I come before you, Father, and I ask that you bless the reading of your word. God, I ask that you cleanse me of every sin, cleanse me of every impurity. Father, I ask that you hide your servant behind the cross and allow me to deliver your message to your people. These things I ask in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. You may be seated. 
I needed this and I couldn't find it. I'm thinking, where's it at? In the Gospels and in Acts, you see five different times. If you look in the Gospels, you want to see the life of Jesus Christ. You want to see the ministry of Jesus Christ. You want to see what he did, the actions he took, the miracles and the messages that he gave and the life that he lived. You look in the Gospels. But in the Gospels and in the book of Acts, we see five different passages where Jesus instructs his followers to take the good news of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. He says to take it to the nations. Well, let me ask you something. Where are the nations? Where are the nations at? Are the nations overseas? Is it Philippines? Is it India? Is it China? Is it Russia? Soviet Union? Where are these nations that he's talking about? Where are the nations? Is it always just strictly foreign nations that we're referring to? It's got to be somewhere other than here. Let me tell you something. Where do you think the nations are? Anybody? Open that door look outside. That's where the nations are. There are foreign nations. There's local nations. But the mission field is right outside the door. We start inside the door, but it's right outside the door. In each of these scripture, in each of these five verses of scripture, we see some type of action. We see some type of movement where the, the Bible and these, these paths are telling us that we got to get moving. But when we look into Matthew, Matthew's a little different character. You know, Matthew was a, a little bit one of those, what would, what would you call Matthew? Not obsessive compulsive. Matthew was one of a kind. Y'all know that? He was a numbers guy, but he was different than the other disciples. But he, he was meticulous about what he talks about. But in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, we see the most straightforward connection that Jesus has for the gospel. We see the straightforward goal that he has for taking the good news to the ends of the earth. It's a little bit different than the other verses of scripture. We're going to look at it this morning. He has explicit command in Matthew and it focuses on making disciples. And I want you to tell you, we've talked about disciples last year. During some of our evening services, morning service, we talked about disciples. We went through the different steps of being a disciple, how a disciple wants to be and needs to be and strives to be a disciple maker. That is so important and it comes back to this passage of scripture where God himself is trying to teach us and tell us that we need to be disciples first and then we need to be disciple makers second and that reputation replication process needs to go over and over and over now understand this understanding this command that Jesus has given us we need to understand the answers to some critical questions and Jason can you put those questions up for me This is the things you're going to write down. There's five questions that I want to make sure that we understand between today and over the next several months as we talk about God's Word. Critical questions we want to look at, and some we're going to open up this morning. Why should we make disciples? First thing, look, why should we make disciples? The Bible tells us we should do it. The Bible says Jesus is telling us why we should make disciples. It is imperative that we know why. What is a disciple? We talked about that in 2022. How are disciples made? We're going to emphasize that over the next year in 2023. If you want to be here this afternoon, we're going to talk about some specifics to small groups that I want to share with you this evening. I want you to come back for that, but how are disciples made? Who makes disciples? And where do we go to make disciples? These five questions are imperative. We have to understand that. They relate to this passage of Scripture. They relate to what God wants us to do. They relate to what Jesus has laid on on us to do, the followers of Jesus Christ. We want to 
understand the fact that the matter is the difference between Christian and disciple and what it means to be the same thing. As we seek God's guidance through his word this morning, my desire is that we gain a greater understanding to the answer to each of these questions. Jesus gives us some instructions and he's given the church their marching orders. He has told us what to do. All we need to do is follow his lead, follow his guidance, imitate him. Just like Paul said, imitate me as I imitate him. We want to be Christians. We want to be Christ-like. Now, let's look at some specifics on this passage of Scripture. And I'll cover it for you, and I'll try to be, be brief as I can. After his crucifixion and resurrection, Matthew tells us that Jesus told the followers to proceed to Galilee and get up on the mountain in Galilee, and I'm going to come to you, and I'm going to share with you some important information. I'm going to give you the marching orders because you are going to be the first church. You're going to be the early church. You're going to be the beginning of a process of replication and multiplication. And in 2023, there's going to be a bunch of people get together at Pine Hill Church because they're going to need to hear the exact thing that I'm telling you. There on top of a mountain, Jesus reminded his followers that God had given him all authority. All authority in heaven and on earth. And Jesus, if you know briefly, if you were here Wednesday night, we talked about Jesus breathed on the disciples. He breathed on the disciples. He gave them the authority that he had been given by God the Father. He gave them every single thing that God had given him. He gave them the authority to go out because in, a, in just a short period of time, he's not going to be with them just like he's not with us now. The Holy Spirit is with us just like he said, told the disciples, you go and wait. You go wait, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. He's going to give you the power. He's going to give you the strength to tell you tell all the things that I had taught you to do. And that's where we need now. You think about it as a Christian, as a disciple. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. And based on this authority, he's commanding them to go and make disciples of all nations. Are you all exhausted? All right. Stay with me. If you ever say slow down, I'll slow down, all right? Let's look at some comparisons. In the English language, a simple, straightforward reading of the text seems to emphasize the word go as the primary word in this passage. When you think about it, it says go therefore. So you think about it, people want to look at go. When we think about it, if we don't go, nothing gets done, right? Amen? We have to go. You want to look at it on the surface. You want to say, well, go must be the most important part of this passage. And obviously God does want us to go. But the focus is on this passage is not on going. We do have to go. But that's not where the focus on this passage is. The focus is not on us moving, even though God wants to move us from where we are to where he wants us to be. It's not on moving, but we need to get moving. In the original Greek text from which we translate our English Bible, the main verb in this command and this sentence is not the word go you know what it is it's a phrase the main verb in this phrase is make disciples that's what the focal point of this passage is it's not on go it's not on teaching it's not on preaching it's not on baptizing even those are powerful words the word and the main focus is on make disciples jesus is telling his followers his disciples you are to make disciples and we want to know how they're made we want to know what it takes to make one we want to know what it takes to to be one those are all things that are important to us it's crucial that we understand the mission that god has placed us here to do we look back over the last three years 
Jesus had been with his disciples. He had been investing in these men, and we've talked about that. And I want to share with you, that's what we need to be doing. We need to be investing. Jesus had been pouring himself into these men. He had been discipling them. He had been teaching them. He had been witnessing to them. He had been showing them every single thing that he wanted them to do. He was, he was, he was a living example. He didn't just tell them to, to go do what I'm telling you to do. He didn't just say, these are things you should do. He showed them every single thing that he wanted them to do. He was investing in them. He was their teacher. They were his students. He was the rabbi, which, and they were his learners. Let me tell you something. You know what another name for learner is? Disciple. That's what a disciple is. A disciple is a learner. What Jesus had been doing to them and for them for the past three years, he now expected them to do for other people. What God had done for them, what God had been pouring into them, he now expected them to go and do unto others exactly what God had done to them. This command served both as a graduation and their commissioning ceremony. This was on the mountaintop. This is the final thing that Jesus is going to give them instructions to do. He'd been teaching them. They had been in Jesus' school for three years. They'd been learning from the master, from the, the ultimate rabbi. And now he's about to send them out into the world. Having walked with Jesus and learned from him and conformed their lives to him, they were now ready to lead the mission and reach the nations with the hope of the gospel. Amen? Are you ready for that? Man, are you ready to step out and reach the nations? Do you get excited about that? When, when somebody comes to know the Lord, does that just get you on fire? Man, when somebody makes a profession of faith, when somebody comes to know Jesus Christ, when somebody is now assured that they're going to spend eternity in heaven, doesn't that get you excited? Amen. Amen. You want me to call it right now? Oh. All right, time had come for them to go into the world and win people to Jesus, just like they had been won to Jesus. The focus of this passage is on making disciples, but we cannot overlook those three words that appear to be powerful in this commandment. We're going to go back and look at it. I want you to know that the focus is making disciples, but go and baptize and teach. Those are all important words. They're all attached to the main verb. They're all attached to making disciples. They all work synonymously together. And I want to look at each one briefly, just, just very quickly. The original Greek language, these phrases are not themselves commands, but that when the words are directly connected to the making the main verb making disciples they all have important meaning they all have value they all have structure and they're attached to the central commanding verb they both take the shape of the main verb they both take command of the, the same force that making disciples has to do with in other words jesus is commanding them to make disciples by going to the nations he's telling them to make disciples by baptizing them in the name of the holy trinity he's telling them to make disciples by teaching them everything that he had commanded them to do everything that he had taught them to do you're going to make disciples by doing all three of these issues each of these actions is centered around the attachment of making the Disciples. Now listen, we accomplish disciple making by going, by baptizing, and by teaching. Those are the important things that we do. To make disciples, then obviously you must go. The English word go carries with it the sense of continuing or pursuing a journey that has already been started. Let me tell you something. For the Christian, that journey means you've been set apart. You've been set apart for something important. God has called you to do something important. You're not just the average person. You've been set apart to go and make disciples. And understanding this, and as the one going, we need to understand that we go in order to share the gospel message. That's what the Bible teaches us, and that's what it says. 
when attached to making disciples, it indicates that we should have an intention to make disciples, that we should go and make disciples. Anywhere we go, essentially anywhere we go, whether it's on the job, wherever you get your paycheck from, we should be on mission. We should be about the mission of God of making disciples, enhancing the relationships with people with Jesus Christ. That's what we need to be focusing on. Further, because a Christian is to be intentional in making disciples, they ought to be willing to go locally and foreign into the mission field. we got to be willing to go where there are no disciples, where there's no disciple makers. we got to be willing to go. There's a phrase that says, mission exists because there are places in the world where worship of the one true God does not exist. That's why missions exist. Because there's places in this world where worship of the one true God does not exist. That can be in Grady County. It could be anywhere. But there's a place where nobody knows Jesus. That's where the mission field is. If there's a place where there's a lost person, that's where the the mission field should be. We ought to want to go where there's no disciples. Now let's look at the next word, baptize. Baptize translated from the Greek word baptizo. That makes big sense to you, right? Yo, I taught some Hebrew Wednesday night. We know a word called shalom. Y'all speak, say it, shalom. Now y'all can speak Hebrew. You speak Greek, baptizo. Say that word. Now you know Hebrew and Greek. What you're going to do with it, I don't know. But anyhow, you do know it. This word literally means to dip or submerge something. That's what it means. Baptizo, that's what it means. It carries with us the idea of a new believer being totally identified with the person of Jesus Christ. Their whole self, the believer belongs to the Trinity. The whole self, the person belongs to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're committed to Him. It's made a big difference in their life. To be baptized is to commit an act of obedience by publicly professing and publicly identifying that I'm under the authority of Jesus Christ. I'm under the authority of God. You think about it. It should be clear to all people that you're under the authority of Jesus Christ because Jesus said, all authority has been given to me, and I therefore give it to you. I'm going to give you the authority. I want to make sure people know I'm under the authority of Jesus Christ. Jesus said to teach disciples to observe everything that he had commanded, and this word literally means to cause to learn. You want people to learn about Jesus Christ. You want to cause them to learn, but it's not, it doesn't stop there. It indicates giving knowledge from one person to another, but the goal is not merely to give knowledge. It's to help people apply that knowledge to the knowledge that they have been given, which means to make disciples. Amen? That's what we're doing. That's what's driving us this morning. Taking notes and memorizing Scripture is certainly a good idea. But until a person obeys the Word of God, teaching is not produced a disciple. Disciples should strive to become disciple makers from the moment they become disciples. Not that you know everything. We're talking about baby Christians coming to know Jesus Christ. There's a growth process that starts taking place. People are investing in your life. You want to crave more. You're craving to know more and more about the Word of God. You're craving to get closer with Him. Other people are investing in your life. That's what's important. But you should strive to want to move forward. Every step is one step closer to being a disciple maker. We want to live it. We want to learn it. We want to make sure that we're able to pass it on to other people. Because you think about the pyramid project, you know, sometimes pyramid schemes are not that good, right? This is one that's a good one. 
And we want to invest in people who invest in other people, who keep investing in other people, who keep knowing Jesus Christ, who keep growing in Jesus Christ. Because one day when this life is over, we're going to spend eternity in one of two places. We want to make sure we're all in eternity with Jesus Christ. We need to be eager to learn. We need to be eager to follow his commands. And we need just as eager to tell somebody else about what Christ has done for us. Amen. Jesus closed this meeting. I'm bringing it together now. He closed this meeting with the disciples with one of the most powerful phrases that has ever been written. One of the most powerful things that he's ever been ever said. He made the promise that he would be with him always. God the Son promises to engage and be involved in believers and churches who are actively making disciples. Man, he didn't say you got to do it by yourself. He didn't even tell the disciples you're going to go and do this by yourself. I've trained you now. You're, you're here. here kicking you out of the nest. you got to go do it by yourself. I'm going to power the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. He's going to recall the things that I've told you. He's going to help you understand the things that I have taught you. He's going to give you the boldness to proclaim it. He's going to give you the power to stand before it, the, the power to pers- uh, overcome persecution. Man, they, every one of these are going to be executed, amen, except for John. They're all going to go down from from being martyred because of Jesus Christ. But he said the power of the Holy Spirit is going to give you the strength. None of us most likely will face being executioned for our faith. It's it's not looking good for us, but anyhow, I'm just kidding. You think about it. Over in other countries, they're being executed every day because of it. It's still going on. The church's mission is possible because Jesus is in, in heaven. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. The scripture tells us God is with us. Emmanuel will be this, be with us to the end of the age. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll go with you to the end of the age. Therefore, we'll deliver our lives as disciples and equip others to do the same. Now, there's three points. I want you to write these down. There are several points to take away from this passage of scripture. There's three key things that you want to make sure you don't forget when we talk about the Great Commission. First, it should be clear that making disciples, that making disciples is not optional. And this isn't a, this isn't a suggestion. God, Jesus Christ told his followers to make disciples. It's not optional. It's not a suggestion. It's not optional, church. The Great Commission is not merely a suggestion. Every believer is to be a disciple maker. Number two, the Great Commission is not a command to go baptize or teach. It's a command to make disciples. Going, baptizing, teaching are essential components in the process of disciple-making, but we're charged to make disciples. That's number two. Number three, there's no distinction between the word Christian and the word disciple. This is what I hear a lot. I'm a Christian. Yeah, I'm a Christian. But do you know what that word means? Here's the thing. Let's look at this. There's no distinction in the Bible between the word Christian and the word uh, disciple. The New Testament scripture refers to disciple roughly 240 times. That's disciple. How many times is the word Christian referenced? Three. 240 disciple, three times Christian. That's what the Bible says. Scripture is clear. Based on Jesus' command, there's no distinction between the word Christian and the word disciple in either our understanding or our practice. To be a Christian means to be a disciple. To be a disciple means to be striving to be a disciple maker. To be a disciple maker means striving to fulfill the mission that God has placed us here to do. The purpose that he has placed us on this planet for. That's what we're striving for. To be a disciple maker. We are on mission with God. It is his mission and he desires for us to join him on his mission. It's not the mission of the church. 
It's not my mission. It's not your mission. It is God's mission. He has enlisted men. He has enlisted people to help him and fulfill his mission. You, you wonder, sometimes I wonder why God chose people to help him on his mission. You ever thought about that? Will people let you down? People will let you down. Did the disciples let Jesus down? He, he forgave them, but they did. Where did they go when he was being crucified? And they were, they were hiding. What were they doing in a locked room by themselves with the doors locked? And they let him down, but Jesus forgave them. He come to them because he knew they were human beings. God loves us. Man, God loves us beyond recognition. I'll tell you that every week. Man, he wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to have a relationship with every person on this planet. And he offers heaven as a free gift. It's not something we've earned. And it's not something we deserve. God made an awesome promise in John 3.16. He gave us eternal life through this verse of scripture. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Ephesians 2.8 says this. By grace you've been saved through faith. Not of yourself. It's a gift of God. Man is a sinner. And we were born from sinful nature. From, from what Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden. They passed that sinful nature on to us. Every one of us was born with it. None of us had got around it. None of us were born without it. We we're all born sinful. And we need a Savior. Romans 3.23 says this. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin creates a separation between us and God. It is a barrier. It's a blockage. It's a blockage. We can't get to God and he can't get to us. So he had to create a solution for us. He sent his son Jesus Christ for that reason so that we would have salvation and have eternal life. Jesus, God the Father, stepped out of heaven through God the Son on this earth so that one day we could step out of this earth back into heaven with him. Romans 10, 13 says this. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've thought about doing. It says in the Bible, those who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't leave anybody out. Friends, when our time on this earth is over and our time is short, no matter if you call it 90 years or you call it 20 years, our time is short. And when we leave this planet we're going to spend eternity in one of two places. We're either going to be eternity with Father and Jesus Christ in heaven, or we're going to spend eternity separated from in hell. And the decision we make on this planet and this earth determines where we will spend eternity. Perhaps today you would like to make sure, no way, a shadow of a doubt, that you're going to spend eternity with Jesus Christ in heaven. Romans 10.9 says this. It's basically simple. God made it simple. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's just that easy. If you invite him into your heart, it's a change that takes place. The Holy Spirit comes inside of you. There's a repentance process that takes place, which means we, we take a 180-degree turn. And we go away from what we've been doing. We no longer lead our lives. The Holy Spirit leads our life. We turn it over to Jesus Christ. It says in the Bible, if you invite him in your heart, you make him the Lord of your life. He is just and he will come in. Maybe today you'd like to do that. If you don't know this Jesus Christ that I'm telling you about, in a moment we're going to have a hymn of invitation. I'll be down front. I'd love to share more about him with you. Maybe there's others. Maybe there's things on your mind and things on your heart that you want to lay at the altar. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter what it is the altar is open for you for prayer our deacons are here they want to pray with you 
I'd love to pray with you. Whatever the process, whatever needs to take place, in a moment we're going to have a time of invitation. And that invitation is just a time that you spend vertically communicating with the Father. It's a vertical conversation that you have with the, the power of the Holy Spirit, with God the Father. No looking around. It doesn't matter what other people are doing. This is strictly a time for you and the Father. And whatever needs to take place, whatever decisions need to take place, let them take place now. Father God, I come before you with a humble heart. Father, I, I ask you to touch this building. Father, I ask that the power of the Holy Spirit would just come upon us this evening. And this time would just be a time with us and you. Father, I pray if there's one person in the sound of my voice that does not know you as personal Lord and Savior, I pray that this day would be the day that they would come to know you. Father, for others in our congregation, those that are feeling pain, those that are feeling struggle, those that are feeling heartache, God, I just ask that you would touch them. Father, I ask that they would feel your presence right now like never before. God, that, they, that you would give them the strength to move forward this day and the days to come. God, we love you, and we lift your name up, and we praise you. For it's in your son's precious and holy name I pray. Amen.